What's up, everybody, and welcome to the FBC Jinx podcast. Thanks for hanging out with us today. We are so grateful you are here. My name is Christina, and I'm the communications director here at FBC Jinx. In today's episode, we're continuing our steadfast series through the book of 2 Timothy, and Pastor Rick will be discussing some key lessons to learn and take away from chapter 2. If you would like more information on our church, please visit www.fbcjinx.org. We hope you enjoyed this talk by Pastor Rick Fry. Well, good morning, family. It is so good to see you this morning. And let me just take a moment. I, I tell you what, I, every time I sit here, I, and especially in times of worship, I just thank the Lord and praise God for the incredible talent and the unbelievable heart that this worship team has. They always lead us to the throne of God. Amen? And give them a hand. I just want to, to Carson and just the team, and we've got so many talented people. Listen, it, it is easy to preach uh, after they get done. So uh, they just focus us uh, on the heart of Christ. Well, this morning, if you take your Bibles and turn, if you will, to 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to look at this morning, verses 1 through 7. We are continuing in our series uh, on steadfast. Today we're going to talk about lessons to learn. Um, one of the things I love about this book is because uh, Paul is writing to young Timothy and he's giving him words of encouragement, but is reminding him of some things that he needs to face. There's some truths that uh, Timothy needs to hear. And I believe it is true for your life and my life. It's, it's almost like when you look at this first seven verses, kind of like Paul grabs Timothy by the shoulder and says, hey, buddy, listen to me. You, you need to hear what I'm going to say. Don't let other people write the narrative of your life. And there's some of you need to hear that today, whether you're teenagers or even adults. You don't need to let other people write the narrative of your life. God has a purpose. God has a plan for your life. And so when you read these first seven verses, it's almost like, again, he just says, son, stay after it. There are going to be moments and times in your life you're going to want to quit. There are going to be times it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. There are going to be times that you're going to wonder, how in the world can I get through what I'm faced with? And yet, you need to stay with it. And so some of you are sitting here this morning, whether it's your marriage, your home, your life, maybe you're going through financial situations, maybe you're going through a hard time physically, and, uh, and maybe you just feel like, man, I'm just kind of ready to throw in the towel. I'm just tired. I'm quit. I'm tired of all this stuff. I want to remind you. Don't let other things write the narrative of your life. And again, let me remind you again, do not, do not quit. So let's look at what he says to him. There are two things that he actually says to him in this passage of Scripture. First of all, he reminds Timothy that you have a strength to focus. I want you to look in verse 1. He says, you then, my child. I want you to underline the word child because you probably remember that from last week. And I'll talk about that in a moment. He says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, I want you to notice something because he uses that word child back in chapter 1, verse 2, and he says, my beloved child. And what he's doing in these first few verses of chapter 1 and chapter 2, he's literally leveraging this heart relationship that he has with Timothy. He says, Timothy, I love you. And what I'm going to say to you is because I love you. The challenge I'm going to give you is because I love you. And he says, I want you to remember this. No matter what you're going through, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what he says to Timothy is this, that God's grace is your resource. God's grace is your resource. Now, the word strengthen there is a very interesting word. It means empowered by the grace that is found in Christ. Well, what is grace? Well, we've always heard it's the unmerited favor of God. But if you really want to narrow it down, 
so you really have an understanding of what it is, is simply the favor of God. So it says, Timothy, you have the favor of God upon your life. You came to know Christ. He's your Lord and Savior. Jesus lives within you. Now, John tells us over in John chapter 1, verse 16, that Jesus is full of grace and truth. And he says, you and I will experience grace upon grace. So what he's saying to Timothy is, Timothy, there is this divine calling upon your life. And because of that, you also have a divine capacity. The favor of God is upon you. I can't tell you how many times in my life during these 50 years in the ministry where I have been dealing with a crisis in the church, maybe it's a family, maybe it's a situation that I'm dealing with, and I have come home worn out, tired, sat down and go, I have no clue how in the world I got through this day. And all of a sudden, it was like this voice of God says, I'll tell you how you got through it, by my grace. Now, I want you to listen to me this morning. There are some of you sitting here today, and there's some of you watching online this morning, that you're going through some tough times. It may be physically. You may be going through a situation where there's cancer or something else physically that is just tearing away at your body. Others of you, it may be marital. Others of you, it may be job. It may be career. It may be financial. And you may look and go, how in the world am I going to get through this? How am I going to get through the transition? How am I going to get through the situation? How am I going to get through the crisis? I want you to hear me this morning. You understand that it's always by God's grace. You see, one of the things that Paul is reminding Timothy that all of us need to hear this morning is that every single assignment in your life, now, don't look at assignment as being something like a job or a career or a call to ministry. Sometimes, listen to me, sometimes we have the assignment as a believer that, yes, we have to go through tough times. As a child of God, he said, guess what? You're going to have tribulation. There's going to be sorrow. There's going to be death. There's going to be pain. There's going to be moments of joy. But every assignment of life, if we really and truly believe that all things do work together for good to those who love the Lord according to his purpose. And that means everything, the good, the bad, the different, the indifferent. And what he is saying here is that every single assignment that you may face in life, listen to me, is resourced by God's grace. In other words, the power to be and to do and to endure, all of that is not because of your personal capacity or your insight. Every assignment that God ever gives, listen, presupposes that every one of us has limitations that we cannot get there by ourselves. I can't get there in my strength. You can't get there in your strength. You can't get there in your ability. And this is where grace comes flooding in. And thus, this is where you become the miracle because God's grace just cascades upon you and it gives you the strength, it gives you the power, it gives everything that you need. God's grace is poured out upon you. So he says, Timothy, listen, there's gonna be tough times in ministry. It's gonna get hard. But Timothy, you have this resource. You have this power. There's not a situation, there's not a circumstance beyond the reach of God's sustaining grace within your life. Can I just tell you this morning, there's somebody sitting in this room today, or there's somebody watching online this morning, you need to hear that. Because you are just maybe at a point or at a crossroads where you're going, I, I don't know how I can get through this. I don't know how I can endure this pain or this heartache or this loss or whatever it may be. It is always God's sustaining grace that gets us through. He says, my grace is sufficient for everybody. Secondly, though, he says, there has to be a focus 
And the focus is this, it is our resolve. Look at verse two. And while you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So he says that grace is our resource, but focus is our resolve. Now, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2 is really the essence, if you will. It's what I call the focal point of, Tim, of, of, of Timothy's ministry. It, it's, it's about what he's doing right now as he's ministering in the church at Ephesus. And, and Paul is saying to Timothy, Timothy, listen, everybody, everybody has a game for you. Everybody has a plan for you. Now, I'll tell you, I wish I had known this 50 years ago. Because what I want you to understand is no matter who you are or, or what you're doing in life, and especially in ministry, there's always somebody that wants you to do what they think is important. They want to elevate to the priority what they think is a priority. In other words, there's people who go, oh, there are people going to want you to preach on this. There are people who are going to want you to make sure that you only preach out of the King James or out of this translation. There are people today that believe that their program or their ideas is better than everybody else's, so by George, you got to do that. In other words, everybody wants you to pay attention to what they think is important. And what Paul tells Timothy is this. You need to understand this is not what you're about. Because if you are not careful, you're going to burn yourself out chasing all of these rabbits, trying to be all things to all people. In other words, you're going to look back in the rearview mirror one of these days in your life and ministry, and you're going to begin to realize and recognize that all of this has been superficial. You know why? Because you're about a quarter inch deep and about 55 miles wide. Now, I'm telling you, I've been there. I know what that feels like. And what he reminds Timothy is what he reminds all of us. If anything that COVID has done, hopefully it caused us to slow down a little bit and discover what priorities we ought to have, whether it's family, job, career. And all of us were far too busy. Probably a lot of us felt like, if we go back and really look at it, that yeah, we were about a quarter inch deep and about 55 miles wide. We were trying to go everywhere and do everything and never really got anything accomplished with great purpose and meaning. And so what's happening here, he looks at Tim and he says, Timmy, this is what your ministry is about. By the way, this is what the Christian life and what the church is all about. What, what Paul is doing to Timothy, he's kind of rehearsing the Great Commission. Look at verse two again, listen to this. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses... You entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So what he's saying is, Timothy, this is what you're to be about. This is the centerpiece. This is the heart. This is the core of everything in your ministry. And everything spins off of this. Once again, what he's doing, he's just reciting in his own words the Great Commission. Because what he's saying is, Timothy, this is what you were born for. This is why you shepherd. This is why you're pastoring. This is, why, this is how you lead the church. This is the focal point of your heart and your ministry. Timothy, listen to me. You are the focus upon the transmission of the gospel to the future generations. Now hear me this morning. That is true of every single one of us in this room today if you're saved. It's not true of me because I'm a pastor. It's true of me because I'm a child of God. Did you hear what I said? So in other words, every one of us who is saved and born again, our ministry, our calling, if you will, is to transmit the gospel to the next generation. This is what we're about. Now you say, well, how do you do this? Well, what Timothy said was, I'm gonna do what my mentor did. He preached on the cross. He preached repentance. He called people to accept Jesus Christ. He called people to give their heart and life to him. He says, I I'm gonna do exactly the same thing, but he didn't stop there, if you notice. Not only did he 
teach about repentance and teach about the need of receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior, but he also taught about how they needed to develop and how they needed to grow in their faith. And then he challenged them, don't miss this, to give that same message of hope to the next generation. In other words, that's what discipleship is all about. And can I tell you this morning, it's not difficult. This is what we ought to be about. And Paul is writing and saying to Timothy, listen, son, there has to be resolve in your focus. Now, let me show you what he says. Look at the word faithfulness in this text. Now, by the way, when he talks about faithfulness he, and he ta- uses the word men, he, he's implying men and women. This is everybody. He says, you are to give yourself, don't miss this, to the faithful and to the reliable. And in turn, you commission them to do the same. You see, family, <coughs> excuse me, this is the ministry of multiplication. Now, I want you to circle under word, underline that word faithful for a moment. Because I want you to understand something. Not every believer is faithful. Can I say it to you again? Not every believer, not every follower, saved, knows Christ as Lord and Savior, but they're not faithful. Not every follower of Jesus Christ, listen to me, is ready for you to spend an enormous amount of time and energy pouring into their life. Now, everybody's important. I don't care who you are, saved or lost, everybody's important. But not everybody is ready. I had to find that out and discover that as a young preacher. Because not everybody's faithful. And what Paul is saying to Timothy is, son, don't waste your time on folks who are not ready to move. They're not ready to have you pour into their life. Now, that doesn't, excuse me, that doesn't mean that someday they will not be ready. It just means right now they're not ready because they're not ready to move. You need to be looking for people, listen, who are hungry. You need to be looking for people who are thirsty to know God and experience God. You need to be looking for people who have this passion and a burning within their belly to be Christ-like. See, that's what it means to be faithful. Reliable people who show up for the appointment. These are folks who are saying, I am all in. I'm, I, I push it all. No, you go find faithful people. And when you find that faithful person, you give yourself to them. Again, one of the most important lessons of ministry that I learned is that you cannot make somebody ready who's not ready. Either they're ready or they're not ready. Either they're ready to step out in faith and say, hey, disciple me, I wanna grow, and I wanna do this to others. Or no, I'm kinda content to come to church and just go through the motions and check it off my list, and you know, that's just where I am. And really and truly, listen, this, this is what has happened in the church today. We have sabotaged, I believe, so many ministries inside of the church today by trying to spend time with people who don't wanna move, don't wanna grow, very content to stay where they are, and they're not willing to do anything except just simply come and check it off the list. Paul is saying, hear me this morning, he's saying, Timothy, this is a sacred trust, and you pour into people, you encourage those people, you take those people that are ready to move. You know why? Because they're gonna make a difference. I've said this my whole ministry. I would rather have 50 people in the body of Christ 
who are sold out to Jesus, sold out to this book, than to have a church of 300 people who didn't want to do anything but simply come to church and play church and, and just check it off their list. You know why? Because that 300 group of people will never, never multiply. That 50 in a year's time will be three times the size of that. Why? Because they're saying, God, I am all in. I'm willing to pour it all out. Hear me this morning. The cause of Christ is not, nor will it ever be, advanced by distracted Christians. Won't happen. He said, man, you find faithful people. You, you absorb, you pour into them. Now, don't keep them in a Bible study for 50 years. You have them grow and mature, and then they go re-disciple others. You encourage them to do the same. You pour yourself into their life. And that's really what the Great Commission is all about. And to be honest with you, I happen to personally believe there would be less messes in our church today. They would be least critical spirits. You would not have arguments about peripheral issues in the body of Christ if more of us gave ourselves to the ministry of discipleship in pouring into the next generation, pouring into their lives, helping them become all that God wants them to be. You say, well, Rick, why, why do you think that is such, a, such a, a critical thing? Why is it so important? You know why? Because it keeps our hearts where they're supposed to be. I'm not making something become more important than that of Christ and discipling and building and equipping others. But then I want you to see the, the second thing that he says to him. And this is important. You gotta develop a will to finish. You know, in, in ministry, one of the things I've discovered is not so much what will cause you to start as much as it is what will cause you to stop. And I've seen a lot of believers who started but didn't finish well. Just kind of sit down on God. And Paul is reminding Timothy, Timothy, you need to understand something, that, that it's, it's not just your desire to be in the right place, but there has to be this fire within your belly to want to finish well. And I want you to notice what he does here. Paul gives Timothy three illustrations. He says, here are the illustrations. First of all, you, he said, I want you to look at a soldier. Secondly, I want you to see an athlete. And thirdly, I want you to see a farmer. All three of them have to deal with endurance and perseverance. Let's look at the first one. First of he says, you need to remember that you are a soldier. Remember what you signed up for. Look at verses three and four. He says, suffer, he says, share in the suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim, here's his passion, is to please the one who enlisted him. Now, if you're going to join the army, the Marines, the Navy, whatever it may be, I have a feeling that you probably know that there is a great possibility that you're gonna have to go into battle, that this is warfare. You didn't join a social club. But if you join the Army, you join the Marines, you join the Air Force, whatever military group you do, you are committing and understand there is a great possibility that I may be called into battle. So what he does, he says, Timothy, first of all, you've got to have the perseverance and the endurance as a soldier. And in doing so, you need to remember what you signed up for. And hear me this morning. This is the call to discipleship. Because what he says to Timothy is this, Timothy, if you're going to be a servant of the gospel, then you've got to embrace the training and the demeanor of what a soldier is. Look at this, verse four. 
He says, you have to be single-minded in terms of your purpose. He says, no soldier gets entangled in the civilian pursuits. Now, what does he mean by that? Point being that every soldier is given orders from his commander-in-chief. And that commander-in-chief is Jesus Christ. And we are expected to execute those orders from this manual, from this book, God's Word. We don't execute it from our culture. We don't execute it from our society. We're not supposed to do what we think other people want us to do. What does the Word of God tell us to do? What is God calling us to do? Because if we're trying to please everybody in the world and trying to do everything that everybody else wants us to do, that is not Christianity. He says there has to be this single-minded focus upon the purpose and the will of God. And you don't get entangled with the expectations of others. It's like he says, son, buddy, stay focused. You've got to give yourself to this rigorous discipline and unquestionable obedience. You don't get entangled in all the civilian pursuits. Why? Because your aim, your desire, your passion, this, this burning within your soul is to do what? It is to please the one who enlisted you. Did you hear what I said? Your job and my job as a child of God is to please the one who enlisted us. And who enlisted us? It was Jesus Christ by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. You say, well, why? <laughs> Are you ready? Because you can't please everybody. It's an impossibility. You cannot please everybody. You can't please because you're gonna disappoint somebody, I promise you. If I tried to please one person, then I probably displeased this other person. And what he says, listen to me, when you look at the demands of people and what they want out of you, when it conflicts with the teaching of the word of God and what God is calling you to do, guess who loses? The people. Because you can't please everybody. And it's like Paul looks at Timothy and says, Timothy, you've got to make up your mind right now as you engage in this life of being a follower of Christ, you better realize that you always succumb to the audience of one. And that's Jesus. So he says, Timothy, remember that you're to be like a soldier. You discipline yourself. Unfortunately, for a lot of us in the world and the church today, we're guilty of insubordination and even going AWOL. That's the sad part. Secondly, he says, let's look at the athlete. Rules matter. Look at verse five. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. There's always rules. And what that word rule actually means is to compete lawfully. I don't care what sport you're in. If you're playing football, there's always boundaries. There's always rules. Pass interference, offsides, a little bit, you know. Uh, I mean, there's always rules. You find that, man, you can't go here, you can't go there, you can't do this. Basketball, double dribble, out of bounds, foul. I mean, there's always rules in any kind of sporting event. And Paul is saying, just as there are rules in an athletic game, there has to be rules in the way that you approach life and the way you approach ministry. You cannot do whatever you want to do. Listen, 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27 says this, and he uses the very same analogy, the imagery of being an athlete. And it really, this really relates to us who stand and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ because he connects this term of personal morality and character. 
And what he says is you cannot mortgage, hear me, your character and get away with it. Listen to what he says in verse 27. I discipline my body and keep it under control. Least after preaching to others, I myself may be disqualified. You see, there are rules. And that you and I serve by this book and we live by the context of this book. There's not a one of us in this room that have the right or the prerogative to, to simply, I get to sit down and determine. I get to write out and determine where I go, what I do, what I want to be. I don't have that right. The rules have already been predetermined, and they're right here in this book. Third illustration, a farmer. And notice what he says, you will be rewarded. Look at verse 6. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Now, this is in contrast to being idle and lazy and apathetic and complacent. Again, and I said this to you last week, don't mail it in. God's given you assignment, be faithful. Do what God's called you to do. Get after it, he says. And he says there's going to be a reward. Remember what the scripture says? He says, if you're faithful with the little things, then I can trust you with greater things. Again, that's the reward. You want a reward? Then understand, don't just mess around. You want a life that's going to make an impact? You want a life that's going to make a difference? Then he says, Timothy, you have to have the endurance and the perseverance of a soldier. You have to have the endurance and the perseverance of an athlete. You have to have the endurance and the perseverance of a hardworking farmer who gets out, gets up early, gets out to do the task, plowing the crops, planting the seeds, taking care of the harvest, whatever it is. But here's the conclusion. Look at verse 7. Here's the promise. Think over what I say. For the Lord will give you understanding in everything. It's like Paul looks at Timothy and says, Timothy, I want you just to stop and think about what I've been saying to you. I want you to take this seriously. Because I want you to realize that whatever God is doing within your life, especially in the church, understand that there's a purpose and a plan. Now let me say this to all of us. If we stop and think about what God has done in the life of this church, especially over the last few years, it would be a horrible shame to waste the wisdom that we have gleaned and that we've learned in these last few years. So he says, don't waste the wisdom. What have we learned through going through COVID? Don't waste the wisdom. What are we learning today when we look at all the unrest and all that's happening in America today? What are we going to learn from this? Are we going to just simply kind of close our eyes to it and say, oh, well, that's what it is? No, don't waste the wisdom. And look at the line that he says. For the Lord will give you understanding in everything. How many times have you sat down and you've looked at what's gone on in your life? You looked at the loss, you looked at a tragedy, and you sit there and go, God, what in the world are you doing God, why did this happen? Why am I going through this? Why am I suffering this? There is not a one of us sitting in this room this morning that we do not desire the insight that we need. God just gave us a promise. But catch this. Don't miss it. You get the reward because you're what? Faithful. Because you resolve, I will understand I'm a soldier. I'll be an athlete. I'll be a, a hardworking farmer. And what God says is, I will give to you the insight that you need.
The question is, will you trust him? Because if you will trust him, he will give you everything that you need. The question that I have for us today is this. What are we going to do with this calling that God's given us? God's called us to be faithful. God's called us to endure. God's called us to have this passion to persevere and to press in to whatever the calling is. Do you realize it is so easy for us, especially when the church basically has not really been meeting together over the past year, year and a half, and, and praise God, we're coming back, and I, and I love seeing all of this happen. But it is easy. It is so easy to fall into the trap that Satan has for us, and that is just to be content, just kind of just check it off our list. Nate preached here not long ago about serving. It's amazing to me how, how it is. Well, I, I think I just want to take my time. and Listen, family, we are living in last days. You have to be blind not to realize that. And the question is, what are we going to be as the body of Christ in these last days before Jesus comes? Will we be busy about pouring into others and discipling, finding that person who is faithful and says, I'm ready, I'm all in? Or will we be content, just come to church, check it off our list, been there, done that, just kind of go through the motions and miss out on one of the greatest journeys and greatest adventures we could ever have in our life. And that is seeing more people become more like Christ. Some of you are here this morning and you need to be reminded of that. All of us need to be reminded that the way you get through tough times is God just cascades his grace upon us. And aren't you thankful for that amazing grace? Amen? Aren't you thankful? Let's stand, every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, I come to you this morning and I pray today that you'll just take your truth. Truth, Father, that you poured into a young man in the ministry called Timothy. Didn't have all the answers, struggled like all of us. Moments of where we get down and out and get frustrated and life and home and family and job and career and even in the Christian life. But Father, as we've listened, as we've read today, as we've studied your word today, we begin to discover that everything that we need to be all that you want us to be, not allowing people in the world or situations in the world to write the narrative of our life, but you have a plan and a purpose. It's, we have to make a choice. Do I choose to be obedient? Do I choose to adhere to this book? Do I choose to look for the faithful person and pour into their life and help them become a disciple? And then in turn, they go take somebody else and I take somebody else and we see this, this wonderful ministry of multiplication. God, that's what you've called us to be about. And I pray that we'll be faithful to do that. For those that are here this morning that need Jesus, oh, Father, I pray that today by faith they would come to you and receive you and repent of their sins. For those that are here that you're calling to be a part of this church family, I pray today that they would come and say, man, I'm ready to join. I'm ready to not move a letter, but I'm ready to deposit a life. And then, Father, maybe there's some of us just here today we need to hit this altar and say, Father, I, I, I heard your word today and I truly want to be all in. Speak to our hearts and I pray that in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We hope to see you next week.